podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Uh, grab your Bibles with me today, if you would. I'm, um, I'm so grateful that Alyssa is on visuals today, just, just on the eve of baby Huggins coming. And uh, I feel a little bad that she's, she's serving, but I'm also like so humbled that she is serving literally days, like working up until the midnight hour. Thank you, Alyssa, seriously. This was, uh, this was not planned or scheduled. We actually had one of our worship team members who called in sick this morning and, and Alyssa graciously stepped in with visuals. So thank you for that. Father, we come to the word of God, the word written and the word proclaimed. And uh, Father, we submit our hearts and our minds to the Holy Spirit. And we ask for wisdom and inspiration, revelation and truth to be spoken clearly in a manner that we can hear and understand and in a manner that our hearts, oh God, can latch on to and that our lives can be built upon and around. And so Father, today at the preaching of your word, we ask for help, the help that comes by way of the anointing and the empowerment of your spirit. And Father, we pray that as the word is proclaimed, that our lives would um, come into order and come into alignment, Father God, with truth. Father, anything that is not of you, Father, just let it fall to the ground and let it not even flourish. But everything that is of you, Lord, let it convict us and let it meddle with us and let it inspire us and awaken us. Let it, let it arm us and equip us. Let it, let, it, let it activate something inside of us, Lord, for the mission that you've called us to individually and corporately. We pray these things together in Christ's name. Amen. We have been on a series for quite some time, for those of you who are joining us today for the first time, and today is the bookend of probably about a three-month series, started in August, August, September, October, nope, four-month series. And uh, we have been on a journey where we have been through the scriptures and through church history, discovering more and more what it means to be the people of God. We have named this series, The Ancient Future Church. And we take this idea from the fact that the church is a lot older than the past, than the current. Uh, the, church is, the church is thousands of years old. We have a history. We have a genealogy. Uh, we have a story. We have grandmothers and grandfathers in the faith uh, that laid their lives down, that purchased some amazing things in doctrine, that fought to see that we could be followers of Christ today. And so, but we live in a culture. Uh, we live in a, a 21st century, modern, Western American culture that is rife with technology and, and our own particular battles like Western independence and individualism and consumerism and materialism and, and things that the human heart, I think, in every culture is prone to, but in particularly our culture and in this day and age, uh, these things are, are, are things that we struggle with in a very unique way. And so we've been on this journey of discovering what are some of the common denominators of the church, the people of God, historically revealed by the scriptures and that have been guarded and maintained and passed on generation to generation. And so I'm gonna do here in a few minutes, uh, my, my goal, my ambition is to, is to get, hit some of the high points of the past four months. I'm gonna work in reverse. I'm gonna share the last installment and then I'm gonna go back to the beginning and just hit some high points with the intention that at the end of our time, that for those of you who are sensing that God is calling you uh, into the family of Antioch and a sense of commitment that we can respond to that. And we can respond to that with just a verbal and physical standing up and saying, yes, Lord, I, I sense that you're calling me to this localized, concrete, visible expression of your church in this city. For as long as you have called me here, I'm committing to that. So today, uh, our final installment of um, both what I believe to be universal characteristics of the church, as well as 
uh, something that Antioch in particular considers to be one of our uh, important values. And today I'm gonna talk about generosity. So go with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter four, and we're gonna look at verses 23 through 37. I'm sorry, 32, switched those around. Acts chapter four, 32 through 37. Uh, The context here, for those of you who are not aware, in a nutshell, is at the beginning of the book of Acts, the church of Jesus has been born in the fires of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And from this place, the gospel proclamation has gone out and people have heard and people have responded. And this is taking place at this stage of the historical timeline in Jerusalem. But there are, there are tons of people groups uh, from other nations that are around and they are hearing the gospel proclaimed. And a lot of incredible activity is happening in the first few chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, not the least of which is we're, we're beginning to identify what some of those common distinctives and those common denominators are of the church. We're seeing it in its infancy form. Um, one of the things that's unique contextually about what's going on here is that the church was born by a lot of these various tribes and people groups um, from outside of Jerusalem coming in for one of their annual feasts, the Feast of Pentecost. And so um, when revival hits, literally when the move of the spirit hits and the church is born on this day, there are people that just decided they weren't gonna go back home. They're like, I'm not gonna miss what God is doing. And so they were literally at the mercy of the generosity and the hospitality of local believers that were there whose homes and livelihood were in Jerusalem. So that's kind of the background. Verse 32 says, all of the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his or her possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. This is, this is part of our heritage, that our founding fathers of our faith and our founding mothers and brothers and sisters of our faith, they lived in such a way that they recognized that our earthly possessions and our earthly talents and our homes and our finances, they're not for me alone. They are to be stewarded so that I can be generous when needs arise, particularly within the family of believers and then beyond to the world. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. There were no needing persons among them for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and they brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field that he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. Generosity is a distinction and a distinctive of the Christian life. And and that's because God is a generous God. He is a generous God. He is abundant. He is liberal. He is bountiful. He is plentiful, but he's generous. He's not stingy. In fact, I I would say in the same way that if you have children, if your children ask you for something and it may be a no, a temporary no or a permanent no, the no isn't because you don't have. The no may be because you know that they've reached their limit. Or the no may be because you know that if you give this thing to them that they're asking for, that could actually end up hurting them or forming them in a negative way. And so I wanna be very clear here as we kind of hit a lot of worldviews today that anytime we run into a no, it's not because God does not have and it's not because that God is not generous. God is the most generous and he demonstrated this when he gave his very best, when he gave his son, his one and only begotten son, his most 
privileged and prized possession in order that we could become a family. Let me, tell, let me just touch base here on a broad sweep on some of the things that giving is and where the motivation scripturally for giving should be. N- number one, our motivation for giving, our motivation for generosity, and whether that generosity comes in the form of serving or whether it comes in the form of financial giving, whether it comes in the form of, of utilizing our talents, our motivation should be, number one, out of response to the revelation of who God is. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna weave back and forth because the idea of generosity is not just financial. We could be generous with our time. We could be generous with our gifts, our abilities, our talents. We could be generous in the way that we serve. We can be generous in the way that we open up our home. We can be generous in our hospitality. We can be generous in the way that we listen to someone when we're just burned out and our margin is low, and yet we're extending the generosity of attentiveness and the generosity of tending to one another. But I'm also going to utilize some examples here that are specifically along the lines of of giving and giving of resources. And when we give, we give out of a response to the revelation of who God is. God is a God who gives. And again, everything that we have, we have because God has given to us. Number two, we give, whether it be our time, our talent, or our treasure, because it is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. And just like many of the other spiritual disciplines, whether it's worship or prayer or Bible reading or meditation or solitude or silence, giving of our time and giving of our finances, it is a discipline that forms us over time. Now you can give, you can do any discipline without being formed by it. But when we enter into the spirit of the discipline, out of revelation of who God is in order to be formed, the practice of the discipline will form you. And so when we give on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis, when we serve on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or whatever the rhythm might be, I'm asking you today, I'm encouraging you today to don't just do these things, but step into them, right? To pray into them, to posture your heart in a certain way. God, as I'm giving today, whether it's online or whether it's text or whatever the medium may be, Lord, I'm asking that you would form generosity into me. Some of us are gifted, I believe, with a spiritual gift of generosity. Some of us are not. And for those of us who are not gifted per se with the gift of faith or the gift of hospitality or the gift of generosity, it can be built into you. You can become a generous person. Now, whatever, whatever your story may have been, whether it was mom and dad were always tight-stringed or, or whether it was always awkward to ask them for something, whether there was always fights in the family over money, whatever the story might be, the power and the hope of the gospel proclaimed is that in Christ, I can be a generous person that I can reflect to the family of God, which is a witness to the world, and I can reflect to the world the generosity of God. Number three, we give out of care and compassion. We give out of care when you see a need. And the world, see, we have to understand that when the world taps into these things, they're simply living out the reflection of the imprint of the image of God in their lives. They're they're echoing the nature of God that was imprinted into them. I, I personally, this is my little personal thought that I submit to you. I personally think that whatever we see in the scriptures Uh, that speak to the character and the nature of a believer, whether that's hope or faith or joy or our attitude or our generosity, I personally think that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to do those things in a way that the world does not. And, and then just to throw another zinger out there, really there's just, there's just no reason why the world should be more generous than the church. Because we have the generous one inside of us. All right, number four, we give, whether it be our time, our talent, our treasure, out of faithfulness and obedience. We give because he's commanded us to give. It's not optional. It's not something, you know, whatever our arguments might be, he commands us to give. 
And so one of the reasons why we give as a people is because God has commanded us to. Number five, we give out of gratitude. We give from gratitude. It's our motivation. We give because we're so thankful for all that God has given to us. And so we hold everything that we have with open hands. We hold everything that we have saying, God, all of this belongs to you anyways. So if you say it, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it because you have been so good to me and I'm so grateful. And the motivation for why I give is out of my gratitude. We give also out of faith. There are times and seasons uh, in our lives where God will ask us to do things that are beyond us. They're beyond us. This does not mean that we give what we do not have. We don't give on credit cards. We don't give to get into debt. That, that, is, that, is, that is wrong teaching, okay? We give out of the means, but there are times where God will have us move out in faith to stretch to the very uttermost boundary of what we have. There are also times where I have prayed things like this. I have felt that God has put something on my heart to give over a set time. And I'll say, God, I don't have this, but I'm gonna step into faith. And I'm gonna say, God, if you will give this to me, if you'll give me creative ideas, if you'll give me bonuses or promotions or things that I've not expected, if you'll put it in my hands, you can trust me to give it. All right, so there are times when God will move on us to give in faith. All right, here's another uh, motivation. We give to the glory of God. We give to the glory of God. And whatever that may be, whether it's giving to help someone who's in need, whether it's giving to an organization or giving to a local body, we give trusting that, Lord, the loaves and the fishes of my gift and my faithful obedience will bring glory to your name by how this is utilized. Here are some reasons why we do not give. We do not give motivated by fear. We do not give out of fear, all right? And, and listen, guys, you're, this, I'm steeped. I've heard every word of faith preacher. I was born in it. I was raised in it. And there were times in my life that I entered into fear, thinking if I don't give, God's gonna curse me. If I don't give, God's not gonna bless me. Like that's just, that's just not who God is, right? So we have to check ourselves. And if we find ourselves giving from this place of, Lord, I'm giving because if I don't, then you might not. We gotta just say, Holy Spirit, will you adjust that motivation inside of me? Because nothing in the kingdom of God happens by fear. Okay, fear is of the dark side. <laughs> Number two, we do not give out of need. We do not give to get. We do not give because, oh, I have a need, so I've got to give something in order to have that need met, okay? Number three, we do not give out of manipulation or control. And that's either to control God, okay? We don't give to force God's hand. We don't serve to force God's hand. We don't share the gospel to force God's hand. We don't knock on doors to force God's hand. Nothing that we do is done in order to make God do something. That's not the way this relationship works. We give out of all the things I just said, but we have to understand that we can even move into trying to manipulate other people. We can get, we can get into trying to manipulate pastors or manipulate finance committees or manipulate CEOs of nonprofits. And this happens all the time, even in the church world. And friend, if God has blessed you with resources, because God has blessed certain of us with a large amount of resources to be generous and to steward these things, it is not for you to have the highest bid and the highest vote in whatever board meetings going on. It is for you to be faithful to God and, and give, trusting that what you give, it will be used for the glory of God. We do not give to control. Finally, we do not give out of greed or materialism, which sounds counterintuitive, but certain ideologies that, you know, a hundredfold return, and I believe, I believe in hundredfold returns, but when we're just giving, as almost like some kind of formula. I mean, like this, this is not a formula. Nothing in Christianity is a formula. Nothing. God is sovereign over the harvest. 
He's sovereign in his timing. He's sovereign in the yield. He is sovereign in the way that it returns. But here's what we know, by faith, it will return. It will return. But I'm not giving so that I can have a jet. Now listen, hey, listen, listen. If the day comes, if the day comes and God and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's appropriate and it's right and it makes more sense efficiently and effectively in order for Antioch to have a jet to bring the gospel all around the world, well, we'll evaluate that at that time. But I'm just, I'm just here to say that God, God uses things like, like tangible financial resources to do something in us. He uses it to grow us. He uses it as a fruit of our maturity and how we're able to steward our work and our calling and our talent and our maturity and our responsibility. And finances comes, becomes a, a yield and a fruit of all these things that he's doing inside of us internally. So God's not, God's not gonna give you something that's ultimately gonna end up corrupting you and hurting you. And we just need to be careful that we start, we're not asking for things that are beyond our measure. All right, let's keep going. Uh, let's take a look right here at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'm gonna look for a few minutes at a case study that was taking place in the time of the early church. Uh, there was a severe famine that took place in the city of Jerusalem. And Paul, who was being sent out uh, to be a missionary to the Gentiles. And he, he founded and planted numerous churches, Gentile churches. Paul begins appealing to these churches to start taking up weekly offerings, offerings outside of what was required uh, for the local mission and for the local establishment. These were weekly offerings that were to be taken up to help relieve the church of Jerusalem during this severe famine. And there's some great wisdom in here that I want us to touch on because I don't want us to get all just like jazz about giving. There's been a lot of people that have been taken advantage of um, on, on a lot of different platforms. And my heart and my goal is not to take advantage of anyone, but for us to understand what the scriptures say and to, and to walk responsibly in this call and in this grace gift. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, this is Paul writing his first letter to the church of Corinth. And he says in verse one, now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So this is something that, that Paul is making a format for all of the Gentile churches that he has fathered and planted in the spirit. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his or her income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men that you approve, and I will send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will also accompany me. All right, so we just see some real practical wisdom here. Now, go with me if you would to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. We're gonna reference both of these, these passages. Because what happened was, we're gonna find that the church of Corinth, they were inspired and they were energized when Paul first brought up that the church of Jerusalem was struggling. And they were like, oh man, we're all over this. All right, so Paul's like, in 1 Corinthians, let me give you some logistical wisdom on how to help you fulfill the thing that's in your heart. Well, between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, they lost their juice. Life happened. New Starbucks opened up on the corner. Skirted heifer came into town. Like, oh my gosh, all this money that I was gonna give. And then all of a sudden, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And so Paul comes and he's saying, listen, this is not about money. This is about your Christian character. This is about you being a finisher. This is about you understanding that when you say you're gonna do something that, that you allow discipline to enter in and that you finish this, this task out because you gave your word. So in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, now we just might read all of chapter eight and all of chapter nine. It's just that good. All right, 2 Corinthians eight, verse one. And now brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Watch this. Out of the most severe trial, 
their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. How does poverty well up in generosity? How does that happen? Well, because generosity, as we recall, when Jesus is watching the widow with her two little mites, generosity does not have so much to do with quantity. Generosity has to do with ratio. Generosity has to do with what ratio am I giving compared to what I have? If I'm stewarding a million dollars and I give a thousand, that's not quite as generous as if I'm stewarding 10,000 and I give a thousand. See, so this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that there's churches and he's, this is the beauty of the universal church. That Paul is saying that our brothers and our sisters in Macedonia, that, that they are also giving Corinth. Now you are giving out of your abundance, but the churches in Macedonia are giving out of their poverty, but they're giving with joy. And when joy kisses whatever our resources are, the result is generosity. You cannot have generosity if joy is not in the cake. Now we all coming off of Thanksgiving, y'all know about recipes and measurements. All right? You gotta have, you got to have joy in the ingredients in order for the turkey to look like generosity. Y'all feeling me? So it doesn't matter what situation you're in. And this is the beauty of what it means to be part of the the, the supernatural inspired power of the spirit working within. When we understand that we are not governed by external situations and we're not governed by current resources, joy can flow up that no matter what situation I'm in, I can be moving in generosity. All right. Uh, Verse three, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able. They gave as much as they were able. Now, no one is able to define what you are able to do, but you and God, no one. And when someone starts to manipulate you by turning to your neighbor and grabbing their wallet, and I've heard all the tricks of the trade, All right, we need 10 people with $1,000. No, you give what you are able as God reveals to you and as you have conversation with your spouse on what you are able to do. And that's part of the process. Now, when God puts something on my heart to give, and I enter in a conversation with Christy, if it's the Duncan household, or I enter in a conversation with Jonathan, if it's the Antioch household, I'm not strong arming anybody. Because if I say, babe, I feel like we're supposed to give this amount. And she says, well, I feel like that's a little much. And then we enter in a conversation and God is in that process. We don't manipulate. We don't strong arm. We don't dominate. God is in the process where we learn how to come into agreement. So then the Duncan household can be giving in a spirit of generosity and faith and obedience together. All right, verse three. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their own ability. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> I thought you just said that we're not supposed to give more than we're able to give. This is where we can partner with God if you will expand my, my boundaries, if you will expand my borders, if you, if you will bring something into my hand that is not there right now, if you will put more of it in the budget, I'm gonna tell you, God, I'm telling you right now that as soon as it comes in, it's already marked. It's already marked. I've already determined that if more comes in, I'm giving it because I have determined in my heart to be a giving person and a generous person. Entirely on their own, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this. Man, there's, that's a, there's a lot there. What does entirely on their own mean? They weren't manipulated. They weren't strong-armed. They weren't coaxed. They did this out of revelation and ownership. They took ownership for this. Guys, listen, you have to always take ownership for whatever you give. Listen, those of you who serve ministry crew, we're gonna have an outstanding ministry crew celebration. But even as we serve in this community of Antioch and in the community of Colorado Springs, serve with joy and it will equal generosity. And you have to do that on your own. Nobody can do that for you. 
Because if you show up no matter what the capacity is and you're doing it begrudgingly and you're doing it, you know, just frustrated on the inside, smiling on the outside, right? It's not generosity, okay? It's called legalism. It's law and it's not gonna produce life. It's gonna produce death in you. It's gonna produce death on your view of the church. It's gonna produce death on your ministry that you put out to other people. But if you say, God, I'm not feeling this, but I'm asking that you help me and empower me even though I'm not feeling this. I'm not saying that we don't, we're not ever able not to feel something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, Lord, I own the fact that I signed up to serve and I'm tired and I've been giving a lot, but now I need out of my poverty, I choose with joy to tap into resources that are not my own in order for generosity to be produced. Uh, verse four, so verse five, and they did not do as we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. Notice that all of our giving, whether it's our time or our service or our money, is the overflow and the byproduct of us giving our lives to God. God, my life is yours. My life belongs to you. Everything that I have purchased that I own, it's not even mine, it's yours. Every dollar that's in my wallet or my bank account, it's not mine. It's yours. All of my talents and my abilities to sing, to dance, to write, to speak, to whatever it might be, it's yours. And if you put a demand on it, who am I to pull back and say, well, I'm a little nervous. What are they going to think? God, it's yours. The talent's yours because my life is yours. It's already been determined. Look at verse eight. This is awesome. Oh, let's look at seven. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, I like to excel in faith. I like to excel in speech. I like to excel in knowledge. In complete earnestness and in your love for us, watch this, see that you also excel See that you also go above and beyond. See that also that you're not just living mediocre lives, that you're living above average. See that you break boundaries and barriers. See that you excel in the grace of giving. There is a grace to give. There is a grace. And you know how that grace happens? By giving. I, I'm just telling you, there is a grace and you don't necessarily wait for the grace. You step into the grace by stepping into faith and saying, God, I want to be a person who is generous. So here's how you do it. You don't wait until the large generous amounts come. You start with what you have. And in Matthew chapter 25, it tells us that there was one person who had five talents, one, three, one, one. And the person with five talents didn't sit back and go, nah, I'm just gonna wait till I get 20 talents before I give any of this. He said, I'm just gonna take these five talents, God, and I'm gonna use them, and I'm gonna participate with the spirit of generosity, and the grace of giving is gonna enter into my life, and they multiplied, and now I'm not giving you back five, I'm giving you back 10, right? But then there was a man who was like, nah, it's not gonna make a difference. It's just one talent. It's just one talent. You're not gonna miss it. It's not, going to make, it's not going to do anything. I'm just going to hide it and save it. And at least I'll give you one back. God rebuked that man. And he took it from him. <laughs> Start with what you have. Start with what you have. I've seen people get creative. I've seen people say, I don't have any finances to give, but I'm going to, I'm going to come to every work night that is here. I've had, I've had people say, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna stain your deck. I'm gonna do something. I've, I've got to engage with the grace of giving. I've got to, I've, I've got to participate. I've got to partner with, man, if, if, God is, if God is wanting to release something and he's asking something of me, I'm saying, God, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm gonna step into that. So be paying attention to step into that grace of giving so that we can excel so that we can excel. How many of you, just by show of hands, just curious here, how many of you have witnessed somebody where the grace of giving is operating on their life? You just witnessed it. You're like, dude, this is, e this is just, it's just so easy. It doesn't feel funny. You know, how many, have you, how many of you been, have you seen people do it like, just like this is just, this is just 
just weird. <laughs> right? Like, man, you're giving me a lot. It just feels like, ugh, it's, it's like, it's like those sticky hands. <laughs> it's just weird. No, man, the grace of giving, the grace of giving produces life, freedom, joy. All those crazy thoughts running through your head, they're not there because someone's walking in the purity and the freedom of the grace of giving. That can be cooking a meal. That could be opening up your home. That could be serving with kids. That could be, that could be, that, Alyssa is operating in the grace of giving this morning. She's, she's not just putting up scriptures. That's the bare minimum. She's typing in things that I've not even asked her to type. It's the grace of giving. I'm going to go above and beyond. All right. Golly, that time goes fast. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Okay, let's, let's just look right here at, we'll start at verse four. For if any Macedonians come with me and they find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Generosity and, and kind of this begrudgingly thing, they, they, can't, they can't cooperate, they can't coexist. Generosity is fueled by willingness. It's fueled by willingness, which only one person can control your willingness. You. You are the only one who can control your willingness. So you could be given, I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't even matter. And guys, listen, I don't look at who gives in this church. So it doesn't even matter as far as I'm concerned. What matters is that you're growing in the Christian character and the Christian life. You're growing in faith and obedience. You're growing in revelation. You're, grow, you're excelling in the grace of giving. But you could give tens of thousands of dollars and you could give a lot of your time in service. And if it's begrudgingly, it's not generosity. Your willingness, your cheerfulness has to be engaged with that. Now, let me just do a quick review because this is a distinctive of the church. The church should not be stingy. That's why I love it when Denise called us out three weeks ago. 10 turkeys. You know, I mean, in Denise's way, she was basically saying, guys, we are called to be a generous people, right? Whether it's helping our neighboring family in Swaziland, whatever it might be, I'm all, I, I want to constantly push the boundaries with wisdom on how to live out the spirit of generosity. We're generous with our guest speakers. We're generous with our ministry crew members. We want to be more generous with our staff. We want to be generous with you. We want to be generous to the needs that are in our community and in the world because we believe that that's God's heart. And it's distinctive that he has put not only on his universal church, but on Antioch in particular. Now, looking backwards, here's some things that we've covered over the past four months. And these are some things that we're going to say, okay, this is what it means. This is, this is, this is, this is what I'm saying yes to. Here we go. Jonathan, why don't you come on up here and you don't have to play yet, but just get ready. Get ready in case my help comes on me. Hey. All right. So, yeah, turn that over to the organ side. I don't want that cute keyboard. I want the organ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Here's, here's how we started this. We said the church is the appointed gathering of named people in particular places who practice living a kingdom-oriented life. Now, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says that God has put each member in the body just as he has determined for it to be. So our philosophy on membership, number one, is this. Has God called you to Antioch? Has God called you? 
because we're gonna let you down. We're not perfect. We're gonna mess things up over time. Every single person in this place is fallible. I'm chief of them all. That's why we have to have something bigger. We have to have something bigger than I like the way he preaches or I like the music or I like, I like the children's ministry or I like the coffee they serve. I mean, we, there has to be something that's deeper. Has God called you to Antioch? Has he called you to belong? Has he called you to give and to receive? Okay, now look at this word right here. It is, the, it is the appointed gathering of named people who practice living a kingdom-oriented lifestyle. If you say to me and to us today, yes, I feel called to this local body, then what we're gonna say is, are you committed to living a kingdom-oriented life? Not just in here, are you committed? Now, over all of this, and Alyssa, you can write this, grace of God, power of his spirit. How, how do we live local membership out? We live it in the grace of God and by the power of his spirit. Because all the things that we've preached over the past four months, if we, even if, it doesn't matter guys, we can sign documents, we can stand up, we can have ledgers and roll calls and all this stuff. But if you're not doing it by the grace of God and by the power of his spirit, there's no life in it, there's death. There's death, there's death. So we said that the church is a prophetic community. That means that we are listening to the word of God for one another and for the world and we're leaning into one another. Here's a question for us. Am I willing, am I willing to receive from one another and am I willing to be a vessel who God can speak through? That's part of what it means to be a part of this family. That you're saying, God, I wanna be a vessel that you can minister through me to the life of some person that is in this house. If you have something in me that I can, that I can give, that I can share, I wanna give that. I wanna be generous with it. Number three, we said that the church is a new covenant community. This one's hard. The church is a new covenant community, which we said, that means that we are not like family. We are the family of God. Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying with everything that's here, you may not be here, but the spirit of membership says, God, I'm not there, but I'm willing for you to move on me. I'm willing to orient my heart in this direction. I'm willing to participate with you. That's what we're talking about here. And so what we're saying here is, God, I'm willing for you to make me a part of a family and to see others as family. That's hard. That's hard. And I guarantee you the majority of churches out there are not asking that of their people. But this comes out of biblical revelation that the church is the family of God. We said, number four, we said that the church is a devoted community. And Pastor Dan said this very well. He says, we are devoted to love God and we're devoted to love one another. And so, and that's gonna be at your measure. And what we're saying is, hey, if you, if you feel like God has called you to Antioch, we are asking you to grow in love for God and grow in love for one another. That's all we're asking is that you're saying, God, I orient my heart to grow in my love for you and to grow in my love for one another. And we're not gonna sit back and try to measure all that. This is the spirit of God working a localized commitment inside of our lives. I'm gonna skip through some of these. One of, one of the things that we mentioned was that the church at large is a sent community. It's a sent community. And what we're saying is, hey, if you're calling Antioch home, we're gonna preach the gospel. We're gonna preach on outreach. We're gonna preach on loving our neighbor. We're gonna preach on serving, whether it's Life Network or wherever it might be. We're gonna preach on getting out there we're gonna preach on reaching Swaziland. We're gonna preach on stories like John. We're gonna do that because we believe that's what the scriptures have commanded us to do. We believe that's our life and our example. And we're gonna say, hey, Holy Spirit, help us to be a missional oriented people. And if you're folding your arms and you're saying, well, you know, I'm never gonna go overseas or I'm never gonna go across the street. All we're saying is, would you be willing as a member of this church to say, God, I am willing for you to send me 
somewhere to some person, to some cause. I'm willing for you to grow that inside of me. This is all about willingness, guys. Uh, Jonathan preached a great message on the fact that we are a multifaceted people. You guys, ah, I shouldn't go there. My dream, my dream and my hope and my vision and my prayer is that this house would be full of so many different races and nations and ethnicities. That's my dream. I dream for that. I weep over that. Man, I want Africans and Asians and Europeans and Latinos. I want, I want them all in this family because, because one race and one ethnicity, it is, it is limited in revealing the full orb nature of God. And so all we're saying is, all we're saying is don't operate in cliques. All we're saying is if you see somebody who's different than you, reach out. We're saying be inclusive. We're saying have an open seat at your table. If you say, I belong to Antioch Church, it means there's always an open seat. It means that you don't shut your heart off to any person who is different from you, politically, socioeconomically, racially, culturally. It just says, God, I'm open to be a part of a multi-ethnic picture of your church in the world. All right, finally, um, we, we, we said that um, the church is a generous people. And, and, and we're not gonna manipulate that. We're gonna do our very best to steward that well. But we're saying, would you say, God, I'm willing, I'm willing to, to give regularly. I'm willing to serve. And listen, let me just say this right now. I wanna put everybody at ease. There are times in your life, particularly when it comes to serving, when you should not serve. There are times, let me just, let me just say this right here. So my kids, I've got, I've got five-year-old twin boys. I've got an 11-year-old daughter and nine-year-old son. And right now, because my twin boys are limited in how they can serve, my 11-year-old and my nine-year-old, they pick up their plates and they wash their plates for them. That's what they do. Because, because my five-year-olds cannot do that right now. And if they do, things get broke. <laughs> okay? And listen, some of, us are, some of us have come into this place broken. Some of us have come into this place hurting. Some of us have come into this place saying, I, I, this is my family. I have nothing to give. We want you. You are a member. You belong here. And as you are nurtured back, and as you and the Holy Spirit reveal that you have some measure to give, then you give that as you are empowered and you are as you are released by the Holy Spirit to do that, okay? Now, man, if you're just sitting back and you got loads of time on your hands and you're just, you're just doing nothing and your heart's clean and full and happy and healthy and you're just going back, you're just, you're just receiving from everybody, eh. you might need to take somebody's play to go wash it for them. All right, here's, here's, here's the only way I know how to do this. I just, I was just been chewing on this for months. Jesus called people. Yeah, you, good, Jonathan. Look at that, beautiful. Beautiful, man, just flowing in the spirit. Jesus called people. Jesus walked by, he saw Peter and James and John, and he says, hey, I'm calling you. I'm inviting you. And they had all the freedom in the world to say, I'm not ready. And we find stories of that. There's a rich young man and Jesus says, hey, I'm calling you to be a part of my team. I'm calling you to localize and identify yourself with my crew. And he's like, I'm just not ready. And Jesus didn't condemn him. And then Jesus called other guys. He, he went to one guy's house who was a tax collector and he said, hey, Matthew, I want you on my team. I want you to identify with this local expression of what it means. And Matthew said, yes. And for Matthew, it meant something different than it meant for James and John. For Matthew, it meant I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some radical decisions. So today, I, I believe God is calling and he's issuing an invitation. And listen, if you are here, some of you are here for the first time today. Some of you have been here for years and you're like, I'm just wrestling, I'm struggling. There's some things I don't understand or I don't agree with. There is freedom here. And if you're saying, this, I'm, I'm not ready, not yet, not right now. There is freedom and there is space. Because if you do it begrudgingly, it will not be the spirit of membership that produces life. But if you say, man, I've been waiting for this. I just want you to stand up today and say, this is the people that God has called me to. This is the people. This is the house. You stand up, it's fine. This is the house. This is my house. It's my house. It's my family. I'm called to this people. I'm called to this place. I'm called to growing and orienting my heart in this direction. And here's, here's what I want to do. Some of you are not standing because you're about to move. 
And we understand that. And we bless that and you will always be a part of us. Father, right now today, as we stand here together, God, with, with, with the best of my capabilities and faculties, trying to express the things that I believe are on your heart and the things that are true for your people, God, today we just say, would you empower us by the grace of God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to be committed to you and committed to one another? Would you empower us by your Spirit and would you infuse our lives with grace to orient our hearts in a direction? Lord, we are not saying that we have arrived. We are not saying that we are fully embodying these things. We are saying, God, we are willing. We are saying that even if we are not willing, that we want to be willing, that our hearts belong to you, that we are open vessels. And Father, where we need to grow as members of this family, we welcome that from you and from one another. And we ask, oh God, that your spirit would always be present to guard and to protect the spirit of membership that we would not use this to lord over one another or to manipulate one another or to coerce one another or to be ugly or mean to one another, God, but that we would enter into the spirit of membership so that we could fight for one another, that we could protect one another, that we could guard and defend and serve one another, that we could heal one another and restore one another and serve one another and bless one another and have a tangible expression of what it means to be the church of God in a place and in a time in history. And we need the help of your Holy Spirit. And so God, we call on you today. We call on you today. Come and cover us. Come and cover us, oh God. Come and cover us. Come and knit us together. Come and bind us together. And come allow us by your grace and power to be a picture, to be a picture of your love and your family and your kingdom to one another and to the world. Let grace flow now, I pray. Let the grace of membership and the grace of family and the grace of the church of the living God, both ancient and present and future, collide and grow and flow in this house, we pray today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.